the scripture today is from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. I am very excited that I get to announce our guest speaker today. You may have noticed that Kyle is out of town, but Moses Beaumont is a longtime friend of the Gateway Church, someone I met when I first started going here. And you may have heard his name if you're familiar with Rise Up, because he is kind of the inspiration for that. So without further ado, Moses, thank you for being here today. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Thank you, Whitney, for the introduction. Uh, Thank you also for Pastor Kyle for sharing the pulpit with me uh, this morning. Um, This is the disclaimer part, right? I am not a pastor by profession. Um, I have just been very blessed to be given this opportunity to give this teaching this morning to you. And I hope that Um, The words are not mine, but that God can use me as a vessel this morning to share uh, what is laid on my heart and also what um, I've been invited this morning for. So thank you very much um, for having me, and it's a true pleasure. Also, disclaimer number two, I was on a plane just yesterday for over 24 hours from Kenya, Um, so I am... I am definitely jet-lagged a little bit, woke up at four in the morning, um, but there's no worries there because the grace of God is sufficient, and I am sure this morning uh, my message will come clear to you as well. Um, I also want to take this moment, since I'm here, just to share a little bit of our gratitude from um, the Rise Up program. Uh, Kate, of course, has played an integral role in this. Um, She is our program coordinator, even though Whitney says I'm the inspiration, she is doing so much work. She is putting a lot of hours into this, loving on these kids, creating the program to be successful every Tuesday. And so thank you so much to Kate. We also have Nate and Anderson, who are a part of our tutoring team. And I just want to say thank you so much to Gateway for loving on these kids. It's beautiful to see something that has come from Gateway, our church, Table Church, uh, having even Hope Elam participating, having uh, Courage Grove participating. So seeing churches coming together is something so beautiful that we're able to do every Tuesday with the students from uh, Edmonds and some other schools around. Please join me at this moment in a time of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Gateway Church. Uh, Thank you for them opening up the doors to have me here. Um, Father, I just pray that this message can land on open hearts, 
I can land on open minds, and that I can merely be used as a vessel to share what you have here this morning. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit can come and be amongst us, that it can minister to us this morning, and we can be able to be blessed through your word. I pray that our hearts can be open also for any conviction that may happen through your message, uh, Father, this morning, and we are truly blessed for what you have done for us and what you continue to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. There was a man who lived in a certain community. He was a family man. He had a wife and three beautiful daughters. He was an engineer by trade, and he loved to work with his hands. So even though he had his job that he had every single day from Monday to Friday, in the evenings, he would do little things on the side because he loved it. It was his passion. This same man, a few years ago, bought a piece of land. And his idea, his vision was on this land. He wanted to build his forever home for his family. And so the time had come where he was able to break ground. And he was so excited as he worked with the architect, working with the contractors, because he could understand a little bit more than the average person because he was an engineer. And so he'd be working on this on the side, just seeing the dream, the vision come to life. One morning, he woke up, and he was in the bathroom getting ready to go to work. And he looked at his hand. And his hand, he noticed a little bit of a rash. And he looked at it, and proceeded to go to work. Maybe it'll go away, he said, he thought. A couple days later, the rash had grown a little bit bigger, just a little bit. And he looked at it again out of concern. This time he decided to talk to his wife and said, hey, honey, can you see this rash? And she thought the same thing, said, that is odd, but perhaps it will go away. Maybe it's something you touched that you're reacting to. A few days later, it went by, and now he was moving a little bit up his arm. So out of concern, he said, please, I should go see a specialist. So he went to a doctor, and the doctor said the same exact thing. He thought, and also his wife, perhaps this is just a reaction to something, and we will monitor and see if it goes away. But then a few days later, it had now proceeded up his arm. He, went, he called the doctor and said, doctor, please, can you take some samples and do some testing? And the doctor said, yes, indeed, I will. After the samples were taken. He went home, continued his life. A few days later, at work, he received a phone call. And he was a doctor, and he said, where are you right now? He says, oh, I'm at work. He says, well, I have some news about the samples that came through. First off, I want to let you know you will not be going home. You will not be going back to your wife. You will not be going back to your children because you are suffering from leprosy. While this story might seem so far for us to understand, the teaching this morning, you'll be able to see a little bit about this disease, but beyond this disease, you'll be able to see how God can move in mighty ways, just as he did for this man who was suffering from leprosy, and how he may move in our lives today. In the sermon series that you have been in, today, we want to focus a little bit about prayer, okay? Slowing our lives down to be in communion with God. And so this morning, we're going to have a classic Bible study. I am going to break down this scripture word for word. 
as we see what God has for us this morning. So please, if you have your Bibles, if it's on your devices, if you have them printed, whatever it might be, please let's start looking at verse 12. This is Luke 5, verse 12, and it reads, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So first things first, it says he was covered with leprosy. The story I just told you, that was on the onsets of the beginning. This man was not like that. He was covered from head to toe. This means it was severe. Recovery would seem impossible. He fell with his face to the ground. He understood the authority of Jesus Christ. You only fall down to the ground when someone who is in front of you is greater than you. I wonder if we understand the gravity of this. This man realized the king of kings, the lord of lords, God, man, in, as man, was in front of him. And he says, if you are willing, it is not a command. It is not an expectation, but a request in humility. He is suffering from a disease that cannot be treated. And he is saying, Lord, if you are willing, just in case if you are not, I'm cool with it. Do you understand that? You can make me clean. He had 100% faith in Jesus. There was no doubt that Jesus could heal him. It's only that if he's willing, and if he is, he will be healed. Let's look at verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy lift, left him. Jesus touched the man. These words might seem so simple, but you have to realize, back in this time and in this history, lepers were outcasts. They were cast out of their towns, and no one was allowed to be close to them, let alone touch them. And do you realize this was actually a myth? We've come with modern science to understand that leprosy, if someone is suffering from leprosy, you can actually be among them. You can actually have community with them. It's only extended times of being with them could you be actually be infected by leprosy. So his cut out of community was not even necessary. It says in Leviticus, so that we can see how it says, Leviticus 13, 45, 46, it said, Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of the face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So that is the law at the time. This did not stop Jesus in his ministry on earth. He bends over and touches the man. Do you understand what that means? It means that Jesus, in your uncleanliness, in your disease, in all the things that are in your life, whatever garbage you are carrying with you, he wants to bend over and do what? Touch you. That's what Jesus wants. He doesn't need you to clean yourself up or do anything different. He just wants you to allow him to touch you. Have you felt the hands of Jesus in your life? 
I am willing, Jesus says. You see, those words mean God never intended for sickness to be in this world. He never intended for us to suffer from these diseases. He has full power and authority to eradicate whatever disease or sickness that is in this world. He says, be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. Does this sound familiar? Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be blank, and it was so. The same God, the same Jesus, is amongst us this very moment. Church, do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe God can move? Do you believe God can heal? Because this is what is happening right here. This brings me to my first point this morning. For those who are not takers. <laughs> point number one. Meet the outcasts where they are just like Jesus did. This man was an outcast and Jesus came to meet him exactly where he was at. Listen, church, the outcasts are more than often not here. They are most likely don't look like, think like, or vote like us. They are probably not in our places of work. They're in neighborhoods just five or ten minutes away from here, but we do not visit those neighborhoods because we deem them unsafe. They are in our schools, but we do not interact with them because we are too busy with our own lives. They are minorities, immigrants, teenage mothers, single parents in our city. Verse 14, then Jesus ordered him, do not tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. He says, don't tell anyone. To me, this is how I would feel if I was that man. Be like, hello, Jesus. I was a leper for all these years. Nobody was accepting me into the community. And you just healed me and said, don't tell anyone. Cool story, bro. I go tell everybody. He says, show yourself to the priest. This is a part that perhaps for us, if we don't have context, we might not understand. Why is he saying show yourself to the priest? Okay. The priest is more than likely the one who had proclaimed the man unclean. It was the role of the priest to actually say if someone had leprosy and say, you are unclean. This would be like the doctor making that phone call. So the priest would see this man and would know, hey, you are unclean, you are leprosy, and now you are healed. Why is Jesus doing this? He knows that if the priest sees this, it will dawn on him that some powerful authority is with us. That only Jesus, only God has healed this man. And then he says, offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded. In Matthew 5, 16, 18, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is giving the priests a chance to be able to join in his ministry, but we know how that all went. Jesus is giving them an opportunity to respond by doing what? Giving praise 
to God because God brought that healing. Verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. The news spread. People came for what? Healing. Again, I'm afraid we might miss how self-centered this statement is. All the people cared for was healing. They did not care to know Jesus. They just wanted to be healed. Let me, let me be clear. I believe it is important for God to help in areas of our lives that we need him to move. It is important for God to heal us, to eradicate disease. But if that is all we want, we have a problem. God wants us to be in relationship with him. My question is this. If all we care for is the healing, if all we pray for is the healing, what if it doesn't happen? What if the cancer doesn't go away? What if it leads to death? Does our faith end there? Does it mean God does not exist? Does it mean God doesn't listen to us? The world is in a desperate need of a savior, but not the one we want, but the one who wants us. That is what we need to remember. He wants a full relationship with us, utterly and unequivocally surrendering to him. We need to surrender to him in this relationship. Point number two. Pursue God's glory above all and the rest will come. Pursue God's glory above all and the rest will come. I do not sing at all. <laughs> at all, at all. But this makes me think of this song. So do not judge my singing, but listen to the words. <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Perhaps many of us recognize that song or even know the words of that song and of course it comes from the scriptures but is that how we live our lives? To seek first the kingdom of God. That's what we are called to do. The church exists to do only one thing, and that is for people to be able to see and experience the way of Jesus. If we are to position ourselves to love and invite outcasts to be a part of us, our motivation should only be one thing, and that is to be witnesses of Jesus and what he has done in our lives. I have been very blessed in my life Ever since coming here to the United States, I came at age 14, and through that time, I became very involved in whatever church I was a part of. At times, as I grew older, I was invited to lead in different capacities, whether it is leading a small group, whether it is volunteering to serve on Sunday mornings, and even currently right now with our church, helping lead the missions team here in Des Moines and outside of Des Moines. 
And through all this, even for example, using Rise Up as an example, people would say, wow, Moses, it's amazing what you're doing. It's amazing your heart and what you want to do for this city. Oh, Moses, it's great that you do this. It's great that you serve this way. And that is a very detrimental thing because over time, this could switch and become what I call the Moses show. It becomes about Moses and the great and the good things that he's doing. And so it's Moses, Moses, Moses. But where is God in this? I'm talking about serving in the church. I'm not talking about my other involvements. I'm not talking about my job or anything else. I'm talking about service in the church. And what it should be is it should be God's show. It should be Moses. Why do you do rise up? Because of Jesus. Why do you serve on Sunday? Because of Jesus. Why do you help? Why do you try day and night to expand the kingdom of God? Because of Jesus. Why because of Jesus? Because of what he did on the cross. That he died on the cross. And that in spite of anything else that exists in me, I'm only left with service. Because I did not deserve what he did for me. I did not deserve to be saved. I was doomed. I was to die. But because of his faith and his grace and his love in me, I am saved, I am liberated, and there's no one who will take that away out of my life. Amen? Amen. That is why I do what I do. And if someone asks me, why do you do this? I should just point them towards the cross. That is why. Verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So, look at this. The first word, but. Remember how 15 said, Yet the news of him spread all the more, so the crowds came here to be healed of their sicknesses. Okay? So, big numbers, amazing. Healing, amazing. But... In spite of all that, forget all that just happened. That's what they're saying right here. Luke is saying, but in spite of everything of verse 15, Jesus often, not once in a while, not when he had time, not when he felt like it, but often withdrew to lonely places. In other words, he went to places without distractions. Oh, church, 2023, huh. he didn't have this uh, device right here that is always buzzing and clamoring for our attention. He did not have email, social media. He didn't have any distractions. And yet, he often withdrew to lonely places. Do you know how hard that is with the day and age that we're living in? To be able to remove yourself. Sometimes the distractions are not necessarily bad things. For example, for those who have children, sometimes you feel there is no way you can put yourself in a situation where your child is not needing you. You love them so much. Kids are a blessing from God. But I would go as far to say they are distracting you if you do not find time to be with the Lord. 
for you to best serve them, for you to best serve your spouse, for you to best serve your co-workers, whoever you're involved with in your day-to-day interactions, you need to often withdraw to lonely places with the Lord. This is where me being an African and at the same time being an American, the African way supersedes the American way. We take time to be with each other. We take time to be with community with each other. We take time to slow down. Like I I can have this relationship with you and really just spend time with you for absolutely zero gain. Right? It's not about me. It's about the community. I know we talk about the American dream. We talk about the pursuit of happiness. We talk about what great things can America achieve. And America has done amazing things in this world. But at what cost? And does this American dream, does this American way align with Jesus' heart? I would think that perhaps sometimes it's the annihilation of the ministry of Jesus. And we need to rethink how we can exist as Americans and exist as Christians. I'm not saying I'm born and being an American. No, I'm not saying, talking against America. I'm just saying we got to be careful and align ourselves to the true creator who made everything that we do see here in America. He is greater than everything. We have to align our hearts with God through prayer. And what did he do? He prayed. Have you ever wondered, because I I wondered about this, and I think a lot about this. Have you ever wondered, Jesus, right, God himself, why did he need to pray? Doesn't it seem like he's praying to himself? This is quite the contrary. He was in full communion with God the Father and God the Spirit. He just wanted to have an ongoing intimate relationship with God. If Jesus, who is part of the Trinity, withdrew often to pray and fellowship with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need to do it as Christians? Sometimes the best thing we can do in the midst of the rush life is to slow down and listen to God. I say that one more time. Sometimes the best thing we can do in the midst of the rush life is to slow down and listen to God. We need to live prayer-filled lives. As I'm sharing this morning, this is something that has been a tremendous struggle in my life. I I was born in the church. My father is a minister, pastor. My mom and dad met in a Bible college. So I have been in the church ever since I existed in this world. And so I know it. I have seen it. I have learned as much as I could. I I do not know everything. I do not even try to know everything. Only God does. But at least I know some things, I will say. But this thing about prayer... It's been a struggle when people say, ah, man, God talked to me. God revealed to me. God showed me this. Oh, nothing but God here. 
And I come to realize, man, do I really understand and grasp the power of prayer? Do I understand the reasons of why to pray? And so I decided I'm going to change this. I'm going to give it a try and see what happens and spend time with God. And so over the last year or so, I prioritized tremendously this one thing in my life. And pause that story for a second. I'll come back to it. When I grew up in Kenya, we have what we call overnight prayer times. So into the new year, we would pray the whole night. Think about how different that is. I don't know what people do on New Year's Eve. <laughs> We're not going to give any details. But we would pray overnight until morning to usher in the new year. So my dad, being a pastor, would drag me to go to church as a young boy to do this. And I would say, Dad, 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 what do you need to pray for a whole night for? I can pray for five minutes. I got the whole world covered. You know, you guys are not efficient. I don't know what you're doing. So they, one day they said, okay, Moses, you can come for what we call a, the mini version. So by midnight, you can go back home. I said, okay, Dad, I'll come. So we go, and this worship, we're singing, we're singing, and then we go for the first time of prayer. So I've, we've got seats, chairs, okay, in. So they're like, pray on your own. People are standing and praying, people moving, singing, whatever. So I decide, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this position. So I'm like kneeling down. I put my head down. On the, on the chair to pray. I'm praying, praying, praying. Man, the transition into other things. And the people are like, man, Spirit is really moving in Moses. He's really praying. And then they keep going, keep going like, man, he is really praying today. Oh, man, little did they know I was out. <laughs> I was dreaming and sleeping and my mom found me and said, you can go home. Come back to my story. I don't have enough time in my day to pray all the things I want to pray for. I have seen God move in mighty ways. I have seen something so beautiful about having this communion with God. You know, when, 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 when Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I moved like a child. But it's different when you're an adult. That's the maturity of faith that he's talking about. And it only happens when you create spaces for God to move and walk in your heart. It is as if when he says, my eyes were opened. Man, something beautiful happens. When you taste it, you will not want anything else. That is the power of prayer. And I'm not saying I don't struggle with it yet. I'm not saying it's going to answer everything that I'm praying for. That's not the point. Remember the man said, if you are willing. He didn't say heal me. He knows he can heal him. But he said, if you are willing. So our prayers are not necessarily to be like, because, hey God, I'm going to convince you what I know is best. But rather, God, can you reveal to me what is best. That's what happens in prayer. And I will share this because I, 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 I hear this a lot and I struggle with this a lot. The church in America, one of the areas that really concerns us is talking about 
things that happen in public schools. Now, here a lot of times, Christians would use words along the lines of being like, man, they're teaching the kids this in public schools. Man, we can't even be allowed to say the name God in public school. Man, like we can't even pray. They're just pushing the church out and out. I use the example personal even to this church. You used to meet in a school and you're not even allowed to do so. Let me ask you one thing. How many of us are praying for the public schools? How many of us are interceding for the public schools? How many of us are going, and I'll use this example, Edmonds, where we're serving, and just drive around the school as you pray for the school, walking around the school as you pray for the school, praying for the administrators, praying for the teachers, praying for the, all the workers, praying for everything that happens in that school. What is stopping you in doing so? You want it to change because of what you want, but rather ask God who can change, who can move mountains, who can change this world to be able to be invited into these things. He wants us to invite him to things that move in our hearts. And so sometimes, church, we might have it backwards. You can walk in the school. Nobody says you couldn't pray. You can. Nobody is stopping you. But do you see what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we're just focusing on things that like actually immaterial. But inviting God to actually change things. My last point, number three. To best love the outcasts, we need to be in constant communion with God through prayer. To best love the outcasts, we need to be in constant communion with God in prayer. Is your life in a hurry? Are people, obligations, commitments taking all your time? You know, what, what, what are we hurrying for? Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes you're going, 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 and you're like, what is the point of what I'm doing? And they call it a rat race. You know, rats don't know where they're going. Sometimes it's chaotic. So think about that for a moment. What are we hurrying for? And God is just saying, as you've heard in your sermon series, stop, rest, and now commune with God. Be in prayer with God. It's like a car Sometimes if you let your steering wheel go, it maybe veers to the right or to the left, and then you need to take it in for what they call wheel alignment. You know what I'm saying? So we have been misaligned, and guess what aligns us back? It's God. And what, when do we do that? In prayer, when we spend time with him. He aligns us back, and then we go. And we will veer off again because we are not perfect, because we are sinful. And it's not about perfection, but it's about progress, right? And so we go back again, and then woo, we're moving good, good, good. We veer off again. He brings us back in. But if you never come in for this will alignment, for these times for God to work in your life, it will never happen. Next thing you know, you're in the ditch, and you ain't moving nowhere. The best thing you can do is withdraw and spend time in prayer. Martin Luther used to spend three hours a day praying. Three hours a day. 
And someone asked him, Martin Luther, what about on your busy days? He said, I spend four. I spend four hours a day. Martin Luther knew he was a priority. And so did Jesus. So I conclude by saying this morning, our fellowship and closeness with God should be our number one priority if we are going to be effective in the service to him. Our fellowship and closeness with God is our number one priority if we're going to be effective in our service to him.